Welcome back to the Almost Shameless Podcast with Tanya Ray Fox. I am your host, Tanya Ray Fox, and we're back post-actual NFL games. The Patriots have played an actual NFL game. The first preseason game of the post-Tom Brady era. I realized last night that I have never watched a preseason game during which Tom Brady wasn't the presumed starter, during which Tom Brady wasn't on the team. Because when Tom Brady took over the Patriots in 2001, I was a young teenager. Um, And prior to that, I wasn't watching preseason games. Just a kid living my life, checking in on the games like a normal kid. So my entire life since I was, you know, 13 or 14, whenever Tom Brady took over, that's been my reality. So it was weird. I was like, I was watching the preseason game and thinking, wow, like this is a little more exciting than I feel like it usually is. And that's why there's a lot to break down. We're not going to break down a preseason game. Like it, um, like it matters. Bill Belichick in his behavior with the game on Thursday made it very clear. He wasn't treating it as an actual game. Um, but there are, is a lot to still be gleaned from scrimmages and uh, and this one was no different. And I had fun talking about it. I had fun tweeting about it. There was, of course, um, a lot of quarterback talk. There were some takeaways from the defense. That's what you want to see in these preseason games is people starting to make a name for themselves. So we're going to get into it. And I got a rant for you guys at the end of this. And it is Jeopardy related. I really hope if you're one of my listeners that in some way, shape, or form, Jeopardy has played a role in a role in your life. I think it's an American pastime. Jeopardy used to be baseball. Maybe for a while it was football. And I think that entire time since the 80s, Jeopardy has been the true American pastime. And I have, I think I have to go through a mourning period with my relationship to the great game itself. Hot stuff coming up. Before we get into the Patriots preseason game and Mac and Cam and everything else, I want to start here. I know that my tone when it comes to talking about the quarterback position, the way the media has covered it, has been very critical. Some even may say self-righteous. God forbid. Me. Can you imagine? Self-righteous. But yeah, and I and I really want to make it clear. I don't think that the conversation around the quarterback position, rookies versus veterans, Mac versus Cam, is exclusive to Boston or Boston media. Uh, and I went hard. I went hard on them last week. And I stand by everything I said. I think that in general, as media, we've gotten a little bit lost in the sauce in terms of being able to evaluate the position when it comes to the teams that they're actually playing for, the coaches that they're playing for, uh, the rosters they're working with, and what does and doesn't work. And it is incredibly frustrating to watch the manipulation of of stats and storylines and everything else when it comes to certain players and our, you know, the way the media can have tunnel vision on certain stories. For example, there is not nearly as much conversation about the starting quarterback spot over with the Bears, right? 
there's just not as much conversation about it in, in national media, even though they're in the same boat, they have a veteran and they have Justin Fields. So it's Andy Dalton, Justin Fields. They have the same situation where who knows what could happen. And I refuse to believe that a large chunk of the media thinks Andy Dalton is better than Cam Newton. I just can't believe that. I can't possibly understand what's going on. Why the same stress and anxiety nationally and locally isn't happening in with the bears. And maybe, you know, it, the thing is I've been told over and over again, the Patriots don't matter anymore. Tom Brady's gone and uh, they're irrelevant, but nobody's treating it like that. Nobody's treating it like that. I can tell you reading those tweets during the preseason game, watching how people reacted to how comfortable and solid, you know, Mac looked for a rookie coming out there, watching the way people want to turn that position, that, that battle into something it's not, that's not happening elsewhere. Not the same way. The, the, this perception about the type of quarterback that Cam is and can be has plagued him his whole career. So I, I don't want to make it, make it exclusively about Boston media because media at large is responsible for this. And there's a few examples I'm going to share with you later on in the podcast about that. Um, Meanwhile, it came out earlier in the week that Urban Meyer is calling the quarterback position a, a quarterback battle. He is saying that Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew are both in contention to start the season. Now, Urban Meyer is a wild card. Never, you know, not an NFL coach. We've never seen him be an NFL coach. So this is his first shot at it. And he does things his own way. So I personally wouldn't be super shocked to see him start Gardner Minshew over Trevor Lawrence. And... Maybe that wouldn't be the best for business in Jacksonville, especially considering, you know, Trevor Lawrence is the big name, the billboards, the future, the savior of the franchise. But football wise, you guys know where I stand. First of all, I think Gardner Minshew is really good. Uh, maybe really good is an overstatement. I think Gardner Minshew is better than he's had the chance to show playing for the Jaguars. He's had really real great moments of brilliance. He's a accurate high completion guy. So I think there are worse things in the world that could happen than for Trevor Lawrence to sit on the bench and watch a little bit behind somebody like Gardner, uh, who is a dynamic personality. I'm sure gets along really well with it, you know, in the quarterback room with the other guys, there's all these different nuanced things going on around the league with how to handle these high level rookie quarterbacks who are coming out of, you know, more pro style offenses in college, who are maybe more prepared to lead a team to success in a rookie year. Uh, versus the fact that, that veteran quarterbacks are playing longer than ever. Guys aren't retiring at 32, 33, 34 years old. People are playing into their late 30s. There, you've got these competing ideals of bringing the young guy, get him, get him going, get him in. And if you've got a guy who's in his early 30s, he could still have six, seven more years left in his prime. And we can't seem to see, we can't seem to find our place in that landscape. Moving specifically to Mac and Cam, let's just look at it clinically from the way Belichick always operates. Uh, first game of the preseason, the starter took the first few uh, series. Cam took the first few series. He completed four of seven passes for 49 yards. One pretty good throw to Jonu. There are a couple good passes in there. He seemed improved in his quickness on the screens and those short intermediate passes, which is what you were looking for from last year. That's where he really, really struggled. And it's never been his forte. So they're clearly trying to bring him along on that front. Didn't give him a lot of chances downfield. Uh, in my opinion, it's because they don't need him to. 
Um, Cam's a good downfield thrower. He was good thrown downfield last year in the very limited capacity they were able to do that with the personnel that they had. Uh, so I don't think Belichick was looking to use Cam in that way in that first preseason game. It was a chance for Mac to get reps uh, and meaningful reps against a good defense in Washington. So they did that. And I thought that his reps were really meaningful. You know, everything everybody's been saying coming out of training camp is how composed and poised he is. And I saw, I, I saw that he didn't look nervous at all. You know, I think back to over the course of the last five, six, seven years, the rookie quarterbacks coming in and playing Garoppolo, Brissett, Stidham. And in that first game, you could just see a little bit of those jitters. Let's see a little bit of those nerves, regardless of how well they played. And we will get to that. There was that rookie energy. And Mac didn't have that. And I think that's the big thing. I think that's the attract. I think that's the attractiveness of a Nick Saban quarterback, somebody who played at Alabama. You're not going to get much closer to playing in the NFL, playing for Bill Belichick, than playing for the Crimson Tide in college. And there's a reason that three Alabama court, the last three Alabama quarterbacks are potential starters on NFL rosters right now. The question is, can any of them become an NFL success? And, you know, to, to a beat Mac out for the job before Mac was able to get it after Tua left for the NFL, people have a lot of questions about what Tua is going to be capable of doing it down in Miami. Things aren't sounding great for Jalen Hurts in Philly, but again, Philly media is hard. They're even harder on their people than Boston is. So who knows? Uh, until Jalen Hurts, you know, gets them to the postseason, they're going to talk about him like he's trash. Uh, it's very hard to win people over in Philly. So until I like actually see some of what he's doing down there, it's going to be hard to tell where his ceiling might be. One of those guys is probably going to succeed. It'd be shocking if more than one of them was a real tried and true NFL starter because it's just that's just hard to do. Um, but if anyone was going to churn out these, these types of guys, it's going to be Nick Saban. The question is, does Mac have the explosiveness and the athleticism and the, and the diversity of skill to hang with some of these other really dynamic quarterbacks coming out of school? The Justin Herberts, the Trevor Lawrences. We'll see what happens with Zach Wilson, but that's a guy with a low floor and a really high ceiling. Um, you know, how does Mac fit into that? He looked yesterday like a rookie game manager. That's not a criticism. That's a, that's a compliment. You know, he, he wasn't super accurate, but he wasn't bad. Made a gorgeous throw down field that I think was more for him to get the throw under his belt than um, any belief that it was necessarily going to get caught. Uh, when he threw it, I've watched the video a couple times. He threw downfield to the left corner of the end zone. Uh, the receiver was like in tight man coverage. Like he was draped before Mac even threw the ball. This guy was on him. So it was a bit of a Hail Mary in terms of, in terms of whether it was going to be caught or not. But I liked seeing his placement and taking the initiative to throw it. The quicker passes, the shorter passes, they were a little messier. Um, the running backs did a lot yesterday for both quarterbacks in terms of making them uh, look good at the end of the day on the scoreboard. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson had an incredible game. James White. We got some vintage James White action. That was really cool. Damian Harris looked like he was running re really well. 
this team is going to rely on the run game. We've always known that regardless of who is under center. And Belichick seemed to insinuate that with a lot of the game plan uh, on Thursday night. But when it came to evaluating the quarterback and it, when it came to the media's reaction to evaluating the quarterback, it was interesting to watch because for years, we've seen the same sort of thing. Starter takes, you know, the first couple of series, rookie or, you know, second stringer plays out the rest of the game. You bring in the third string guy, give them a couple of reps. That's kind of how it's been. There were a lot of people who seemed to think that Max reps in the game were some sort of indication that Belichick is ramping him up to be the starter. I don't know where they're getting that information. And I'm honestly, I'm done. I really don't want to be a jerk. I'm not trying to be a hater. I just don't know how you draw that conclusion. Um, Mac was fine. He threw like 80 something yards on 13 completions. It was fine. Uh, if you compare his first outing to Jarrett Stidham's two years ago, Jarrett's was much better uh, on the stat sheet. Like I said, Jarrett didn't look as comfortable physically on the field, uh, but he performed and he had people kind of impressed. Two years ago, we did the same thing. Could this guy be the, the, the guy of the future? I mean, there's a reason that people last year thought Jarrett Stidham might win a job over Cam Newton. And it's probably because of those preseason games. You know, there's this weird thing happening where it's like the rest of the country had these low expectations for Mac, but they have even lower expectations for Cam because they've always been biased against Cam. So then when he was pretty good and looked pretty comfortable for a rookie, everybody else overreacted to how well Mac did. Mac Jones is going to be an interesting guy to keep an eye on um, because he still got a lot to learn. And I'll say, I, I think that the overreaction to Mac's game is much less about not anyone's belief in Mac after watching him throw 89 yards in a preseason game and much more about people's uh, lack of belief in Cam Newton and their very weird desire to watch Cam fail. Uh, I don't know what it comes from. I think at this point for a lot of media, it's people who want to see him fail because they've said he's going to and they want to be right. And that's a real shame. Because when Cam Newton isn't failing, when he's really good and, and he's playing at a high level, he's one of the most exciting football players to watch in the NFL. And so it's a shame to watch people root, actively root against him just for the sake of being right. We are all going to be wrong at some point. We're all going to be wrong. It's not that big of a deal. But don't try to sell me a bill of goods that Mac Jones looks like some superstar last night. He was fine. He was fine. He was good. I'm happy with it. It was not the standout of that game. <laughs> like, I mean, he was this, he was a standout of the game. If you, if you wanted to make it into that, but he wasn't Ramondre Stevenson had a really great showing love what we saw from him at running back. Josh Uche had a good game. You gotta love Michigan linebackers coming in and getting it done. Uh, Belichick loves him a Michigan defensive player. Matthew Judon is who we thought he was. Man, he looks like he could really be a legitimately disruptive force on that front line. And, and that is a huge deal because we've talked about it all offseason. The, the front seven of the defense needed to get better. And Matthew Judon looked exactly like what they needed last night. Um, and then, you know, maybe, maybe even the co-star of the game was old Quinn Norton, kicker, the kicker out of Michigan who was looking for jobs on LinkedIn when he got a call about trying out for the Patriots. Um, he did a great job. 
he was really impressive. Um, his range is great. Uh, you know, it's, you have to wonder, like, are the Patriots going to luck into the kicker of the future here? I tweeted last year. It was weird before they got Nick Folk into a rhythm. Uh, it was weird to not be able to rely on a kicker. Patriots fans have not had to deal with that. You know, going from Vinatieri to Gostowski, like the kicker position was always really solid. And there wasn't all that like terrified feeling that you're going to miss a 35 yard field goal or miss a point after. And, you know, early on last year, that's what it started coming to. You don't like the feeling. I mean, Nick Folk, big kick, Nick, he pulled us out of it, but it wasn't fun. Almost Shameless with Tanya Ray Fox is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up before the next pitch head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action don't forget to use that promo code clns50 clns50 to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts uh, so overall, you know, I'm not going to sit here and do a, an all 22 on a, on the preseason game against the Washington football team. It's just, it's silly. We know who the standouts were. We know what we saw. Um, mentioned some of the standout players. I liked the way the defensive line and the linebackers looked. The secondary looks a little lost without Stefan Gilmore and any secondary that has Stefan Gilmore and then doesn't have him is going to look a little lost without him. Uh, so fingers crossed that they figure that out with Stefan, because I think that that defensive unit is poised to be something really special this year. Obviously you can only judge so much off of playing Taylor Heineke. It was an exhibition game. We can only pull so much from it. Bill Belichick wasn't challenging shit. He, I mean, uh, you know, Mac threw a, a pass to Jacoby Myers, like big front toe that he Julian Edelman right under his hands. I mean, it was absolutely gorgeous. I fucking love Jacoby Myers. I really, really hope that regardless of what happens at the quarterback position, that he has taken advantage of this season, even more than the last two years. He feel, doesn't he have that like next, next man up for Julian Edmund field? Doesn't he feel like the guy who's just going to be the workhorse for the next 10 years? Like he's just got that vibe and that pass. Like he did not have, he did not have to make that catch in a preseason. Um, it wasn't, they didn't call it a catch on the field. They, you know, uh, they got a little screwed out of that one. Jacoby more than Mac because the, the ball would, shouldn't have been caught anyway. But it was really cool. He, I, I love Jacoby Myers. Uh, Nikhil Harry led the team out of the tunnel. Could it be? Are we going to see Nikhil Harry breakout season? I don't know. I don't know. When I, when I talked about the Nikhil Harry stuff on the podcast a few weeks ago, I talked about the fact that like Bill Belichick's not the type of guy to go out to spend a first round pick on a guy controversially and then just throw his hands up after two seasons and say like, yeah, leave, go. I'm going to get nothing for you. Like he doesn't do that. He'll let his players go. He'll let his high end draft picks go. 
but not without getting something in return. And uh, I don't know what happened. I don't know if uh, Nikhil's grandma sat him down and had a conversation with him. I don't know if Belichick had a, a heart to heart, but Nikhil's had a great camp. And he, you know, being at the front of that team as they came out of the out on the field on Thursday is got to count for something. So, you know, sometimes you just got to get over the growing pains and hopefully we see a, a reinvigorated guy on that front. Once again, Hunter Henry is hurt. I guess we should have seen this coming. Hopefully he'll be healthy uh, to start the season, but got a couple of those moments with Johnny Smith that you're hoping to see. This was looked at as one of the most improved rosters across the NFL after the off season. And I think that they proved, and I think that they showed in their first preseason game that this team is bringing, is going to have a much better chance of winning games in 2021 than they did last season. Regardless of where you stand with the Cam and Mac thing, and you guys know where I stand and I stay and I'm going to stay there. This is a roster that you can win with. Do I think you can win with a rookie quarterback with two games against the Bills, two games against the Dolphins, the Bucs and Tom Brady at Gillette, a game in LA against the Chargers, a uh, game against the Browns. I mean, really good rosters, playoff potential teams. Uh, with a rookie quarterback? No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't think Max there yet. I don't think any rookie quarterbacks are there. I never do. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is there. I don't want a rookie starting this year. Not with this team. I want Mac Jones to get that Patrick Mahomes treatment. I want him on the bench learning every single minute of every single game. That's what I want. And he seems to be a really smart, really intense, serious kid who's ready to do the work. Let him do it. Let him do the work. It's going to be the best thing for him. I promise. Stop wishing away Cam Newton. Stop wishing away what they could do in play action. Stop wishing away what they could do on the ground, what they could do with RPOs. Think bigger. I promise you this could be really cool. That stuff coming up. Before we leave the NFL and Patriots talk behind, I just want to say there's been some talk from people I work with, talent on, on Fox Sports that I work with and, and, and people elsewhere uh, about the Tom Brady versus Belichick debate, which will never go away. And But more specifically, there's been talk about Tom Brady's relationship to the Patriots, how he feels about his time with the Patriots, um, in anticipation of the game in early October. And I just want to make one thing clear before the 2021 season starts for you guys, for the fans, people are going to tell you that Tom Brady put up with a bunch of shit. Tom Brady hated the way things went in new England. They're going to take the last 20 years and diminish them because that serves a narrative. They've always been trying to sell. In their Super Bowl drought, it was, you know, this is why, uh, you know, Tom Brady can't, Tom Brady can't win, win without a top defense. When they started winning again, it was, okay, well, how long can Tom Brady do this? He's getting old. They were accused of cheating. Tom Brady, multiple times, Tom Brady was suspended. I mean, the amount of stuff that they went through over the course of 20 years to, to win as often as they did to make the Super Bowl as often as they did, to have as many rings as they do, 
don't let people diminish that by saying Tom Brady hated his time in New England. You know how I know Tom Brady didn't hate his time in New England? Tom Brady stayed in New England for 20 years. He played for the same team and the same coach for 20 years. You know who's ever done that before? No one. No one's ever done it. Not a single quarterback. No quarterback has ever stayed and played with a team and the same coach for 20 years. It does not happen. So don't let people diminish the relationship that Belichick and Brady had because it's one of the great stories of teamwork and uh, they are one of the great sports duos of all time, if not the greatest. The longevity they had, the way that they made their relationship work for two decades, year in, year out, cheating controversies, suspensions, injuries, Super Bowl droughts. Don't let people diminish that because Tom Brady is 44 and having a little bit of a midlife renaissance and enjoying being tan in Tampa. Because when the story is done with this, when the book is written, Brady and Belichick are the are the greatest pair of human beings to exist in the NFL ever. They elevated each other in a way that no one else ever has. Nobody in sports, especially in this day and age with the amount of power that players have, players don't stay for 20 years with the same team. They don't develop a father-son-like relationship with team owners the way that Brady did with Kraft. Brady's time in New England will never be replicated. You will never see a coach quarterback relationship like that again. You'll never see it. You'll never see it. The closest thing we can even possibly consider is Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And we are only four years into that experiment. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes has another 16 years to go with Andy Reid, which probably won't happen, unfortunately, because Andy's older at this point in his career. But imagine it's another 16 years. Imagine Patrick Mahomes playing for Andy Reid for another 16 years years. And then he leaves to go play for another team because he's gone to nine Super Bowls and won six rings. And he's felt like he's done everything he could do with the team and people saying, wow, Patrick Mahomes was miserable. He hated it there. Andy Reid really rubbed him the wrong way. What? How, how is, what? Can you imagine that? That's what people are doing. Don't let them do it. As we enter this season and prepare for that game, which is going to be one of the biggest regular season NFL games of all time, just remember, do not let them do it. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are the greatest, not even in the NFL, I'll say it right now. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are the greatest team, American team sports duo of all time. Don't let them, don't, don't let them do this. There's plenty of evidence that Belichick and Brady really cared about each other and had a great working relationship. And most of it is 20 years nine Super Bowls, six rings, and four and a half million division titles. Done twist, done with the narrative twisting. I'm, I'm not letting this stuff go this season. Shall we? Okay, before we close out the show, guys, they have announced the new Jeopardy host slash hosts moving forward. They've, de they've decided on their permanent Alex Trebek replacement. Alex Trebek, perhaps the most iconic game show host of all time, certainly one of the most beloved, uh, worked up until weeks before his death 
on a job that he considered the pride and joy of his life. They are replacing him with uh, something called Mike Richards. And they're going to use Maim, I don't even know how to say her name, Maim Bialik as a host for special events and primetime events, whatever. But Mike Richards is going to be the day-to-day new host of the show. Now, if you don't know who Mike Richards is, you're not alone because nobody does because he was just sort of a middling game show host on different game show host networks, shows and things like that. Um, Just a tall, bland, white dude with a name like Mike Richards. And he was actually the executive producer of the show. And when there was a scheduling issue with one of the guest hosts, the show was like, all right, yeah, we'll just move things around, whatever. And, you know, this is reporting from behind the scenes. Reportedly, Mike Richards was like, no, 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 we can't make it work. I'll just do it. I'll just do it. So he appointed himself into the guest host role because someone else had a minor scheduling issue. Then got on TV and was like, oh, I, I hate to have to do this, but we have, uh, we've had some scheduling issues and I'm stepping up to the plate. I'm going to totally step up to the plate in Alex's honor and do this job. I'll never do it as well as he did, but I'm going to give it my best. And so he guest hosted. He did a fine job, you know, professional host slash game show producer. He knew what he was doing. Uh, nothing special. Uh, and there's been all kinds of great guest hosts on before and since, including LeVar Burton, who has openly lobbied for the job, would really love the job, and is beloved by uh, Gen X and millennials alike. And shockingly, Mike Richards, executive producer of the show, appointed himself, apparently, <laughs> the replacement host. I have to tell you guys, the reason I'm venting this on this podcast is because I, my, I am heartbroken. I have DVR, I DVR Jeopardy every day. And I'm always like, you know, 45 episodes behind, but it's on my DVR. There's always Jeopardy queued up on my DVR. Me and my husband watch it all the time. I've been watching it since I was a child, like literally since I was in playpen on the floor watching Jeopardy. And like, it never occurred to me that they would bungle the new host because Alex was sick for, for a few years before he died and they were preparing for so long you know, I was like, all right, well, it's probably going to be Ken Jennings, right? That makes a ton of sense. He's incredibly, you know, media and TV savvy. He's, he's charming. Everybody loves him. He is a part of the family. And then, like I said, there's like all these other famous hosts who, you know, came in and were interested. I thought, honestly, as much shit as I give Aaron Rodgers, I really liked Aaron Rodgers as the host. He grew on me after it. He, he settled into a rhythm and he certainly seems like he has a lot more fun hosting Jeopardy than he does playing football. Um, I thought he was great. I don't, he wouldn't have been my pick to be, I really want somebody who like sees that job as their everything because that's the integrity that the job deserves in Alex Trebek's memory. But I just never imagined that they would screw it up. I never imagined they had so much time. They had so much time to get it right. There's no way before Alex died, he was like, make Mike Richards the host. And, And I am at the point where like it might, it might cause a divorce between me and Jeopardy. I might have to call it. I, I, if I want to boycott the show until they change the host. And I am not a boycotter and, or a canceler or anything. I just, this guy is like so lame. There's, there's rumors out there of him, you know, be, sort of being kind of a prick and harassing people on former jobs. And just like, there's so many people who don't have these things lying around and don't have these complications and who aren't bland white dudes who look like they were put into a machine to create your average looking game show host. 
Like this guy is just so unremarkable in so many ways. And I don't mean you can't, like if you, if you want to bring in an unknown and, and create a whole new legacy, then do that. But they've got to pop off the screen. Regardless of gender or race or whatever else, I don't care about that. It's just that like, if you're going to give me a bland white duty, better be really charming and cool. Give me that Ken Jennings action. Give me that Aaron Rodgers action. Like this is just a massive bummer. I, it genuinely has been weighing on me since I read about this in the last couple of days. And this may end up freeing up a lot of space in our DVR in the future, but we've got very few of our game show legends left. Pat Sajak and Vanna White are hanging in there. But we can't let this be a precedent they, that we've set. We can't let them replace the great and powerful Vanna White with some like 23-year-old TikTok idiot. What if that happens? Then what? It's a slippery slope and I'm not standing for it. So stay tuned for uh, my plans on my Jeopardy boycott. We'll see when it has to start. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for joining me. Um, we have a lot, we're going to have a lot to talk about from here on out. Football is back and that is huge. Huge for me, huge for the podcasting business, huge for the fan business. I'm excited to be talking about it with you, regardless of where we stand, regardless of uh, you know where we may disagree. Inform yourself, come in prepared for debate and argument. And if, you, if you're prepared to debate in good faith with me and have a, a, a tense back and forth, hit me up on Twitter. Let's debate it. Let's argue it out. Um, follow me on Instagram. So it's at Tanya Ray Fox on Twitter and Instagram and at ShamelessTRF on Twitter and Instagram for the podcast feed. So check me out there. Thanks again for joining me. And I will look forward to talking to you again next week. Until then, bye.